0: I don't know why they play some of the songs they do. Let's, let's pray. Uh, Lord God, thank you for this morning, and we pray that uh, you would preach, Lord Jesus. Preach to our hearts. It's in your name that we uh, pray these things and do these things, amen. In Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse 18, King Solomon, son of David, wisest man that ever lived, or at least at the time, uh, he, he wrote this. I said in my heart, with regard to the children of man, that God is testing them. We're being tested. So let's have a test, pop quiz. Okay, this is what I want you to do. Take out your S news, you have them in your sheet, the piece of paper, okay, take that out. Turn it over, I want you to write your name in the upper right hand corner, write it legibly, and then I want you to list on that paper the 10 Commandments in order, go. Oh, okay, okay, there, there appears to be some, some hesitation in the, in the room, um, and, and I think I understand what that's, what that's about. It's, you, I, I, I get it, you're thinking to yourself, well, Peter, um, it's not about the law. Right? It's, it's, not about, it's not about the law, I, I get that. So, so let's, let's make it an essay question, okay? This is, this is what I want you to write. Discuss the implications of superlapsarianism on atonement theory in relation to a doctrine of prevenient grace. Okay, go ahead, go. You're just sitting there. Oh gosh, okay, all right, all right, tell, tell you what, um, there still seems to be some hesitation, and I think I, I, think I, understand, I think I understand why, because you're thinking to yourself, well, Peter, Christianity isn't just about ideas, it's not just about words, it's about a life, and so instead of an essay, maybe you could do this, all right, get, get your pen, and I want you to write down five beautiful things that you did this week, and, and then we'll judge them. Okay. Actually, actually, like uh, Francis said, we're having a talent show. So why don't we? Why don't we do this? Okay. People seem to not want to do this right now. Wh- wh- why don't we have? Uh, a beauty pageant, all right? Well, the talent show will be a beauty pageant, and you realize that in scripture, the words beautiful and goodness are really interchangeable in much of the language of the Bible. Uh, So God is testing us, and he must be testing our our, our beauty. This world is like a a beauty pageant, so so let's have a beauty pageant. (laughs) Just think of it. You could win, you could win. And, and I would sing, there she is, Miss Sanctuary. There she is, your ideal. There she is, walking on air she is, fairer than fair she is. Well, you, you get the idea, right? I mean, that could, that could, that could be you, we'll have, we'll have a beauty pageant. And here's some ideas, here's some more ideas for the talent portion. And now, the moment we've all been waiting for, the The talent competition. It is with overwhelming pride that I introduce to you contestant number six, who is also the president of her class, two years running, an honor roll student, and the new president of the Lutheran Sisterhood Gun Club. Ladies and gentlemen, Rebecca Ann Lehman! You
1: know what?
0: The rumors are true. I do have a
1: special fellow in my life. And if nobody minds, I'd like to sing a little song just for him. You're just too good to be true.
0: that I know I've been waiting for. With a scholarship of $500, courtesy Lehman Furniture, and an all-expense paid trip next weekend when she will be competing for the title of Sarah Rose Cosmetics, Minnesota American Teen Princess. Our new Mount Rose American Teen Princess is Contestant number, <laughs> you know, it, it's my daughter, Rebecca, and leave it! <laughs> Teen princess. (laughs) Now that's a beauty pageant. The only problem with beauty pageants is that oftentimes they're just so ugly. (laughs) You know? Now if you were a contestant in a beauty pageant, and part of a beauty pageant, don't think that I'm just picking on you. This world is a beauty pageant. If you're a student, you're in a beauty pageant. And A is beautiful, and summa cum laude wins the pageant, right? If you're a businessman, you win it by getting stock options and bank accounts full of money. If you're a mom, you win it with beautiful, well-behaved children. In sports, sports is a beauty pageant. And Jesus can help you win the pageant. Uh, Jesus can make your family beautiful, your finances beautiful, your, your mind beautiful. He can help you win.
1: And also, I gotta thank the most important person in my life, my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, because I could not do this without him. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, everybody. Oh, Jesus, he has risen! Uh, no, 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 not, not really, just a quick visit. So, uh, hey, everybody take a seat. Go ahead, take a seat, chill out. First of all, you're welcome. All right? Yes, I, Jesus Christ, am indeed the reason you've won your past six football games. (laughs) So Jesus just spends his time. Helping people win football games? Well, you know, here's the thing. I, uh, <laughs> you know, I just go where people call me the most. You know, nowadays, that's a lot of football games. Uh, also, the country music awards. You know, I decide all those. Uh, I'm right there at any uh, black event where food is served. Hey, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm forgiven. All right. Look. <laughs> See the point is you guys got to help yourselves a little i mean can you do that for me yes, yes, do yes. So, uh, <laughs> anywho i'm off to a beauty pageant okay uh best of luck next week i'll try to watch
0: uh- <laughs> <laughs> I-, I love tim tebow don't want to mess with deity in town you know I-, I really appreciate the fact that he thanks god when he loses just like he thanks god when he wins but, you know, the skit does make a point, and that is making yourself beautiful at the expense of another's beauty just isn't that beautiful. And using Jesus to make yourself beautiful doesn't make the ugliness go away. In fact, maybe it can even make it worse. Maybe we don't understand what real beauty is. I read about a cosmetics company that held a beauty contest by mail People were to mail in photos of women they thought were exceptionally beautiful along with a letter explaining why. A young boy from a broken home wrote the following. A beautiful woman lives down the street from me. I visit every day. She makes me feel like the most important kid in the world. We play checkers and she listens to my problems. When I leave, she always yells out the door after me that she's proud of me. I hope I have a wife as pretty as her president of the cosmetics company, read the letter and then he wanted to see the picture. His secretary handed him the photo. It was a photo of a smiling, gray-haired, toothless old lady sitting in a wheelchair with a twinkle in her eye. The president smiled and said, we we can't use this woman in our promotional. (laughs) She just advertises that our products are not necessary to make you beautiful. I think the greatest beauty is making other people beautiful so the most beautiful uh, glorious man I've I've ever known honestly was my dad as a young man it was my youth pastor Gary Reddish Gary was so funny and cool and he was always encouraging to me I, I think that's why I became a pastor to be like them I wanted to make myself beautiful by making other people beautiful. In fact, I wanted to be the very best at it. In fact, I wanted to be the most humble. I wanted sacks full of letters from grateful, underprivileged kids. I I wanted, and and I still want this. I I still want to make myself more Christ-like than anyone. In fact, I even want to use, I use Jesus Christ in in order to do that. In other words, I want to win the beauty pageant called religion. (laughs) problem is that, Religion is often so incredibly ugly. Read your Bible closely and you'll see religion is the very thing that got Christ crucified. Nothing is more ugly than that. Well, Solomon wrote, God is testing us. So how do we pass the test? How can we make ourselves beautiful? Ecclesiastes Chapter three, let's, let's read the whole thing. Now, these first verses should be pretty familiar to you. Uh, verse one, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time, God made time. You know that? Why? For what did he make time? A uh, time to be born and a time to die. Did God make death? Genesis 1 states that everything God made was good. That, that is, was beautiful. I, I don't think God made death. Because you see, there's really nothing to make. Death is an absence, not a substance. Death is the absence of life. God didn't make death. However, he did make time and space for death. Death is ugly. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. You know, Scripture says that weeping lasts for the night and joy comes in the morning. And that our mourning, our sorrow, he actually turns into dancing. Well, a time to cast away stones, he goes on and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace, a time to love and a time to hate. I mean, that sounds like a time for the absence of love. And a time for peace and a time for war, that sounds like a time for the absence of peace. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, he's the Prince of Peace. Well, the absence of peace, the, the absence of love, the absence of life, that sounds like the absence of God. That's evil. Did, did God make evil? No. However, he must have made a time and a space for evil, even evil in us, and that's called sin. But you'll notice that all these things Solomon's listing, they're all things that people do or that they think they choose to do. You know, we think we, we can change things, but Solomon seems to be saying it's all been set. Hate, love, war, peace, ugly Beauty, which leads to the, this question, verse nine, what gain has the worker from his toil? In other words, what can we do? What gain has a worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. If, if God makes everything beautiful, in its time, what's the purpose of our time? What's the test? God makes everything beautiful in its time, Every, everything. Well, that's clearly a reference to Genesis chapter 1, right? Where, where for six days, the six days, uh, God creates all things. In six days, God creates all all things on the seventh day it's all good it's all beautiful it's all finished but look around and it doesn't look all beautiful all good and all finished before jesus was crucified john 5:17 he said this my father has been working until now that means he had, he had never stopped working at least until that moment, that that means in this world, it still wasn't or isn't the seventh day, which means God is still making things beautiful in time. The seventh day must be like the end of time, the end of the ages, the edge of eternity. Well, Jesus said that he came to give us eternal life. I, I, that must be... Beautiful life, eternal life. On the cross at the end of the sixth day, he he cried, it is finished. Verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Eternity in our hearts with time on our hands. For the Hebrew mind, eternity is the, the presence of, of all time. It's the fullness of time. When we're no longer just you know stuck in time, but like the masters of time. I, I think it was C.S. Lewis that uh, pointed out the fact that we're all just so amazed at time. Which is weird, because we live in time. We say stuff like this, I can't believe I'm 50. <laughs> I mean, I, it seemed like just yesterday that, that, that I was a kid sleeping over at Alan Parsons' house. I can't believe I'm, I'm 50. We're constantly amazed at time, and yet we live in time. We're like a fish that's constantly amazed at being wet. That would make no sense, unless, of course, that fish was one day destined... To walk on land maybe we're destined for eternity but being made in time created in time verse 12 i perceived that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil this is god's gift to man i mean it sounds like i can't change a thing but maybe i can enjoy a thing if i trust god will make all things beautiful in time i can't change it but maybe i can enjoy it by faith next verse i perceive that whatever god does endures Forever. Now, that's the same word that got translated as eternity up in verse 11. Whatever God does endures forever, and what does God do? He makes all things beautiful in, in time, and those beautiful things endure forever. They're eternal. So, so the ugly is temporal, and the beauty is eternal. The weeping is temporal, and the laughter that it turns into is eternal. The mourning, the sorrow is temporal, and the dancing it turns into is eternal. The doubt, temporal. The faith, eternal. The despair, temporal. The hope, eternal. The the hatred, temporal. The love, eternal. Sin, temporal, but grace, eternal. Death, temporal, but life, eternal. I mean, it's like an eternal harvest of beauty. Grown in the temporal, dirty, and broken soil of this world. The ugly soil of this world produces an eternal harvest, an indestructible harvest of beauty. And that means there must be some sort of repository for all of this indestructible beauty. And that must be the seventh day. God's Sabbath day, God's rest, when all is finished, heaven. I mean, maybe you remember this picture from our study of Genesis a few years ago and even more from our study of Revelations before that, all of which is available on on our website. But, But I think God is creating or revealing eternity in time. Unwrapping eternity in time. So, so time is like a stage for eternity. Time is like a stage for the revelation of eternity, the revelation of beauty, a pageant, if you will. But not a contest. Next verse. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Now listen closely. Nothing can be added to it nor anything taken from it. God has done it. And what does God do? Make everything beautiful in his time, which, which, which leaves how much for you to make beautiful in your time? Nothing. God has done it. So that people fear before him. That which is, already has been. Okay, now do the math on this, okay? That which is already has been. That which is to be already has been. <sighs> that means everything in time is fixed and, and predetermined, sounds like to me. I mean, every temporal thing. But Jesus said the one who believes has eternal life. So a believer is like a prisoner of time with eternity. In their heart. Slave. Yet free. Wonder what wonder what that would look like. Next verse. That which is already has been, that which is to be already has been. And God seeks What has been driven away? What has been persecuted, literally? What has been driven away? Jesus said he came to seek and to save the lost, uh, came to seek and to save the perished, quite literally. It it appears he won't stop until all that are driven away have been made beautiful in their time. Their time, perhaps different than than your time, and and yet they still have a time. So God is creator. Solomon is saying, God is creator. And I think he's also saying God is the Savior. And God is the doer of everything. Like Julian of Norwich saw in her vision, sin is no thing. God does all things. God is the only doer. You know, Jesus, Prince of Peace, basically said the same thing. He said, apart from me, you can do What? nothing solomon prince of Peace, said god makes all things beautiful in in time nothing can be added nothing taken away god does it and if you believe that why would you do anything i mean if you really believe that there was no beauty that you needed to make and no beauty pageant that you needed to take that you needed to go out and win why would you be beautiful why would you do anything? You ever met a two year old? Do they do things? <laughs> Are they beautiful? Oh, yes. There's some ugliness, I, I know, I know that, but also this outrageous beauty beyond my ability to describe. I mean, I remember just being absolutely amazed at the incredible, unbelievable beauty of my children. When they were around two, three years old. I mean, I wanted to write down every word they said. I wanted to catalog every move that they made, make a film of everything that they did. They were absolutely stunningly beautiful. And yet, check this out they didn't even try to be beautiful. They were unaware of their beauty, or at least the weight of their beauty, and so they just enjoyed their beauty and loved to display their beauty for me. Singing for me. Dancing for me. Beauty pageants thrown just for me. But they never tried to make themselves Beautiful. They didn't have to be beautiful. They didn't have to be beautiful. They just were beautiful. Their beauty, in other words, was free. Maybe you can't make yourself beautiful. You can only be beautiful. Maybe you can't make yourself good. You can only be good. Well, anyway, there there came a day when they, like, covered it up, wrapped it up in fig leaves, and they lost that outrageous, unadulterated and free beauty. They, they lost beauty when they gained knowledge of beauty and began to try to make themselves beautiful. It was when they entered the beauty pageant that we call this world. When they entered the beauty pageant, they lost beauty and no longer simply enjoyed being beautiful. They sang, don't get me wrong, they, they sang, but they began to sing in order to get approval. Not because they enjoyed it. They began to dance because they were in a class and wanted to get a grade. If they put on a beauty pageant, it wasn't to enjoy their beauty, but to compete for beauty and win the pageant. Maybe that's why we have such a problem with little girls in, in beauty pageants. Where <laughs> is beauty? My children lost beauty when they felt responsible for beauty. Think about that, they, they lost beauty when they felt responsible for beauty. We all did. Jesus said, you must become like little children to enter. One day we will be like little children, and yet not little children, because we'll know something that little children don't know. We will know the weight of beauty. And yet we'll still be able to dance for we will know that beauty is a gift. In other words, we'll know grace. Verse 16. Moreover, I saw under the sun that in the place of justice, even there was wickedness, and in the place of righteousness, even there was wickedness. That is, everything in this world is like a mixture of beauty and ugliness, good and bad, righteousness and wickedness. I said in my heart, God will judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time for every matter and for every work. Literally, there is a time for everything and every deed is there, that is, there is like an eternal moment called judgment. When all ugliness and all beauty is exposed. I said in my heart with regard to the children of man that God is testing them. I said in my heart with regard to the children of man that God is testing them that they may see. Now now, now I want you to stop right there because I think this is just huge. God is testing us, but not in order that he may see something. Like who gets saved? Like who was able to accurately write down the Ten Commandments on a piece of paper? Like who had the best essay on the meaning of grace? Like who had the five most beautiful things that they did this uh, past week uh, to to, to win the beauty page? I mean, the purpose of time is not to inform the Creator about His creation. God does everything. God knows everything. God is not testing us in order to learn anything. God is not testing us in order that he might see. God is testing us in order that we might see. God did not put the tree in the middle of the garden in order that he might see something about us. He put the tree in the middle of the garden in order that we might see something about him and ourselves. Solomon writes, God is testing them that they may see that they themselves are but beasts. They themselves are but beasts. Now many of you wonder like me, you you say, God, what is my what is wrong with me, God? What is my problem? And people come to me and they say, Pastor, help me. What is my problem? Well, here's your answer. You are a a butt beast. A butt beast. Next verse. They themselves are butt beasts. For what happens to the children of man and what happens to the beast is the same. As one dies, so does the other. They all have the same breath. And man has no advantage over the beast. For all is vanity, all go to one place. All are from the dust and to dust all return. Like Abraham said to God, I am but dust and ashes. You're a butt beast made of butt dust. I mean, no wonder you got problems, right? A butt beast made of butt dust that returns to dust, and you need to see it. For some reason, you need to see it. We ourselves cannot make beauty, and we ourselves cannot preserve beauty. (laughs) Glory days, oh, they'll pass you by, glory days. In the wink of a young girl's eye, glory days. They pass you by for a reason. God wants you to see something. You know, my father was the most glorious, beautiful man I've, I've ever known. And I watched him turn to dust. We keep his ashes in a can on the breakfront. I'm watching Gary Reddish turn to dust. He has uh, dementia and in the last several years it's just made our relationship rather challenging. Wednesday I went down and saw him at Porter Hospital. They have him in a bed that's actually a cage. You can't hold a thaw for more than two seconds. Yet I listened closely and, and I heard him muttering this over and over again. We just love the Lord, we love the Lord, we love the Lord. Recognizes beauty. Not his own, the Lord's. Now I got nothing against beasts, but I don't think they recognize beauty. Nor do they have eternity in their hearts, like Gary. If you took your dog to the Grand Canyon (laughs) She'd spend all her time sniffing the trash and never even notice the incredible uh, timeless beauty stretched out before her called the Grand Canyon. We may have no advantage over the beast and yet God put eternity in our hearts and God is making us beautiful in time and maybe that also is the point of this beauty pageant called time. Number one, that I would see that I myself am a beast but number two, God is making me beautiful in time. So at the end of time, I will know my beauty is a gift. At the edge of eternity, I will see I am created by grace, and thus I will rejoice in myself. His beautiful creation. Hey, um, what if you did win that test at the start of the service? Oh. What if uh, you wrote down all, all Ten Commandments, you know? What if you wrote the best essay in this whole room on the meaning of grace and performed the best deeds and won the church beauty contest and I, and I pointed you out and said, there she is, Miss Sanctuary. Well, well, if that was the case, how would you feel? How do you feel when you pass a test? How do you feel when you win an award or receive accolades? You, you know, if I think I preached a great sermon, I, I'm just thrilled and in a nanosecond, I'm terrified. I think I can't do that. I can't maintain that. What will I do next? I can't be responsible for that. Beauty. If a sermon is ugly, I feel awful. And if a sermon is beautiful, I feel terrified. <laughs> I mean, you know that feeling, don't you? That feeling. Now contrast that feeling with the feeling you get when, when you see a great movie. Or you hear a really beautiful song. Or you stand at the edge of the Grand Canyon and watch the sunrise over those cliffs. That feeling is different, isn't it? You see, the first is beauty that you think you made and the second is beauty that you just enjoy well what if God really is making you if God himself is making you beautiful how are you going to enjoy the glory of your own awesomeness I mean it's no wonder that beautiful people like Marilyn Monroe and, and Whitney Houston just can't seem to rest in their own awesome beauty. How are you going to enjoy the glory of your own awesomeness in heaven? St. Paul wrote this. These slight momentary afflictions, which, you know, was beatings, imprisonments, stuff like that. These slight momentary afflictions prepare us for an eternal weight of glory, an eternal weight of beauty beyond compare. How are you going to enjoy the glory of your own awesomeness or the glory of anyone else's awesomeness? You see, if I think I'm a contestant in a beauty pageant, responsible for my own beauty, oh, I'll just totally stress out over my own beauty and I will hate everyone else's beauty. I'll smile on the outside like a good beauty contestant. I'll smile on the outside and I will hate beauty on the inside. I'll hate beauty. And what is beauty anyway? Anyway. Solomon continues, all are from the dust and to dust all return. Who knows whether the spirit of man goes upward and the spirit of the beast goes down into the earth. So I saw that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his work for that is his lot. Who, who, who can bring him to see what will be after him? Who, well that's where you and I have seen something that Solomon has not seen. We've seen beauty himself. We've seen the end. The end of the ages. We've seen the one who died and rose again. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, writes David, Solomon's father in Psalm 22. All space and time is a stage set for the revelation of him. That we might see him and he His beauty. You know, it was the religious folks trying to win the beauty pageant that grew jealous of his beauty and so hated his beauty and so took his beauty on the tree, making themselves ugly as beasts. They took his beauty, and yet he gave his beauty, and that is the very essence of beauty, giving beauty away but he really gave it. Not like me, he didn't give it to get it. He really gave it, not to get it, but to give it. He cried, Father, forgive them. And my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For he really bore our sin to destruction. And he really gave us his beauty. And then he cried, it is finished. And there on that cross, beauty is finished. For in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, writes the apostle Paul. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And now God the Father has highly exalted him above every name that is named, that has glorified him, that has displayed his beauty, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue give praise. Through Jesus Christ and him crucified, God gives himself away and makes all things beautiful in time. Dad, Mary, me, you. So this is the winner of the beauty pageant. The one who would choose to lose that all might be beautiful. This is the purpose of space and time. This is why you're being tested so that you might see him passing the test, that you might see him crucified for you and by you, that you might see you're a beast and he is the beauty, and that you might watch him as he gives his beauty to you, that you might be filled with beauty in the very image of God, a creature of absolutely unspeakable beauty and yet able to bear that beauty and delight in that beauty because you know that that beauty is grace. God has done it. And it cannot be taken away. See, with these slight momentary afflictions, with this world of trials and testings, God is giving you yourself. God is preparing you to enjoy the gift of your own awesomeness and the gift of everyone else's. Awesomeness. Heaven is this ecstatic, wild, and endless dance of shared awesomeness. I think we call it love. God is love, and love is beautiful. Uh, Love is beauty, and it's making us beautiful. It begins here when we stop trying to make ourselves beautiful, and we see beauty. Beauty is grace. One of my um, very favorite movies is uh, Little Miss Sunshine. In the movie, every character is trying to make themselves beautiful and failing miserably. Mom, Dad, Grandpa, Uncle Frank, Dwayne, and seven-year-old Olive, who happens to qualify for the Little Miss Sunshine Beauty Contest in Redondo Beach, California, because of finances and circumstance, the whole dysfunctional family decides to drive from Albuquerque to Redondo Beach in their orange VW bus, like the one I had when uh, I was a kid. Anyway, her her grandpa teaches her a dance routine uh, along the way and, and then dies, dies of a heroin overdose on the way to the pageant. No one bothers to check the dance routine that grandpa taught Olive be, before the pageant, but when Olive starts to dance, they all forget themselves and the ugly little worlds that they have created, they all forget themselves and choose to lose with Olive. And that's how they all become beautiful.
1: i to dedicate this to my grandpa who showed me these moose. Oh, Oh, that is is so so sweet. sweet. (laughs) Is he here? Where's your grandpa right now? In the trunk of our car.
0: Okay. (laughs) Well, take it away, Olive. And so on that most ugly of all nights, he took the bread and he broke it, saying, This is my body given to you. Take and eat and do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper and having given thanks, he took the cup and he said, This cup is the covenant in my blood, shed for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it, all of you, and do it in remembrance of me. On that ugliest of nights, He made us all beautiful. Because this is where the dance begins, where the Father comes to dance with His broken children and bring us home. Let's pray. Pray these words if. Um, if you can, just in, you can just pray them in your heart after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for bearing my sin to destruction. And the circumcision of your flesh, like, like we talked about last week. And thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving me your beauty, your very self. Thank you for my incredibly glorious, unspeakable, awesome beauty. Because, Lord Jesus, you are my beauty. It is finished. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So come forward, tear off a piece of the bread, dip it in the cup, believe the gospel, and live. Oh, hey. You just heard the the word. You just came to the communion table. You just sang to Jesus, and I think Jesus wants to um, sing to you. So this is what I want you to do: I just want you to close your eyes and not say a word and listen to Jesus. I think he'll sound a little like Justin, but Jesus is Jesus is singing to you. Just just let him sing to you.
1: You are beautiful beyond description too marvelous for words too wonderful for comprehension like nothing ever seen or heard who can grasp your infinite wisdom can fathom, the depth of your love, you are beautiful beyond description, majesty and glory. I stand in of you
0: you know the Bible says that we are seated in the heavenly places with him. And that last line I forgot about that line holy God to whom all praises due but Jesus is the one that even said it that scripture calls you Gods and and we're not God and yet you just came to the communion table and placed, the life of God within yourself. We sing songs like, No one is like you, Jesus, and yet Scripture tells us that He is making us like Himself. And that at the beginning of time, God said, Let us make man in our own image and likeness. And so I do think that Jesus stands in awe of you because He made you, you are His masterpiece. And you see, you must believe that he makes you beautiful. I don't say that to, like, encourage you. I say that as a command. You must believe that he makes you beautiful or you will make yourself ugly and everyone around you ugly. And that creates a place, and I believe it's a real place called hell. Jesus came to conquer hell. what is hell? It's a place where people close their eyes and they do not listen to the voice of God singing over them, I made you. You are beautiful. You are my creation. More precious than gold, more beautiful than silver. And so in the name of Jesus, believe the gospel and live. Amen? Now, if you'd like prayer, Um, Mondo's down front and Sasha's down front. They'd love to uh, pray with you. Um, Also, if you would like to discuss the sermon, Kathleen Kegel's leading a sermon discussion group down on the stage, downstairs, behind uh, the curtain. And uh, we'll see you behind the curtain, kind of like in the holy place. Um, And we'll see you next week. Have a great week.